Welcome to BizReads. I'm Mindy Kinnis, your host and industry reader. Don't have time to read? I read the best books on business, money, marketing, and mindset, so you don't have to. BizReads. More wisdom, more wealth. Enjoy the show. Hey, hey, BizReads is back. I've been on break for the holidays, but it is a brand new year. I'm super excited about what the new year has in store, and I hope that you are too. On today's episode, I want to talk about a book called Rocket Fuel. I've been asking a lot of people that I respect in business what their best recommendations are. I was at dinner with Dean Graziosi a few weeks ago, and as far as I'm concerned, Dean is like a gazillionaire. I don't know. His companies have been super, super successful in both real estate and personal growth. Dean said to me, you know, have you read this book called Rocket Fuel? Typically, I feel like I'm pretty well aware of the publishing world, business books, etc. I keep pretty close tabs on those types of things. But for whatever reason, I, I wasn't aware of this book, and I was looking forward to checking it out. Rocket Fuel is by two authors, Gino Wickman and Mark C. Winters. Essentially, what this book is about is distinguishing between two types of people in business. Both are essential and there's not a, you know, a good versus a a bad or anything like that. It's just two very different types. One is the visionary, which is defined as one who has clear ideas about what should happen or be done in the future, one who has a powerful imagination, one who sees visions, and one who has unusual foresight. There's also then what they're calling the integrator. That's one who integrates, one who harmoniously unites the major functions of a business, one who keeps the trains running on time, one who creates focus, accountability, and alignment. Both of these types are leadership types. They say there are two distinct types of leaders in a small business, the visionary and the integrator. One sees the future and the other makes it happen. Oftentimes, the visionary is the name that we know or often the face of the company. But there are other people that are actually making those companies the successes that they are. They offer famous examples, including Walt and Roy Disney, Henry Ford and James Cousins, Ray Kroc and Fred Turner from McDonald's. Here's the key. A visionary is meant to be a visionary, and an integrator is meant to be an integrator. You are either one or the other rarely both. Now, I don't know about you, but someone like me that tends to think of herself as fairly good at a lot of different things, that was a little bit, a little hit to the ego at first in saying, you know, you can't be both. Now, they go on to say in the book that there are few exceptions where somebody is good at both of those things. But the reality is you're likely going to be a lot better at one or the other. For me, it's clearly I'm way more on the visionary category than the making things happen. I will quote to you again my favorite Dan Sullivan quote, which is, I can get anything done as long as I'm not the one that has to do it. Here's a statistic that I found interesting. He says, if you are a visionary, you are one of only 3% of the population that create two-thirds of the new jobs in our economy. That's huge. Two-thirds is a ton for being only 3% of the people. In this visionary chapter, they say if you match up on 80% of the traits outlined in this section, you are a visionary. And here are some of what they're talking about. The idea generator. Thinking in terms of the big picture. 
You see the future, as they say, you think strategically, always seeing the whole picture and connecting the dots. As long as you don't have to implement any of the plans, (laughs) which again, I really love that idea. You also might have a hunter mentality. Your type is hunting for ideas, deals, opportunities, and solutions to problems. I appreciated this quote from John Deany. He says, essentially, you know how to keep moving in the right direction when you don't have a compass and there aren't any signposts. How familiar does that sound when you're starting a business? As a visionary, you are challenged by staying focused. You often start creating little chaos just to spice things up or jump from project to project to project. They say that's because the visionary in you got bored with the day-to-day redundancy of running the business, literally self-sabotaging your own vision. How often do we find ourselves in that position? We may even start doing something that's working, and then we stop, even though it's working. Another challenge is having too many ideas. This was interesting too, and this is where I think I got a little bit of the the ego hit because I feel like I tend to be a, a really good manager as well. They're talking about one of the challenges, sweating the details, essentially not being good at managing and holding people accountable because, as they say, the same ability that allows you to create a vision is inextricably attached to your lack of ability to communicate it well. This was hilarious to me. As an entrepreneur, you don't like being told what to do. Your gift is actually telling other people what to do. Now, if I would have known that much earlier in my life, I probably could have predicted that I would become an entrepreneur somewhere around maybe five or six years old. Now, the challenge becomes once you've gotten into your business, you've started things, and if you want to do everything and attempt to be the overall conductor as well as the visionary, that's almost impossible. They say the idea isn't enough. It must be implemented to have value. If you found yourself in a position where you have plateaued or you're just way too busy attempting to do every different job, it's probably time to look for an integrator. Integrator often can have titles such as president, COO, general manager, or chief of staff. The authors call the integrator the voice of reason. And this reminded me of two people that I know. One of my mentors, Vinny, he is the visionary in his company, and his integrator is named Rachel. Now, Rachel runs the business. She's responsible for all the day-to-day stuff. And realistically, if she didn't rein in Vinny, Vinny would start 10 different businesses every morning (laughs) and probably not get very far with any of them because his focus would be so uh, distracted with all the different things going on. So having someone like Rachel on his team is so integral and has been a huge, huge aspect in his success. Integrators are often personally accountable They're adept at self-management, they're decisive, they're great at planning and organizing, they're strong leaders and managers, they're also adaptable, resilient, they are persuasive, and forward-thinking. Now these are some of the challenges about being an integrator. One is oftentimes there's no glory. As I mentioned earlier, sometimes people won't even know who you are, they won't even know your name, 
So depending on how important that external visibility is for you, that could be an ego hit to some people. However, some people really enjoy that. One of the best assistants that I ever worked with was in Portland, Oregon. And I remember to this day, during her interview, she told me, you know, the best place that I can be is behind the scenes. I love making everything work and kind of coordinating things, but from the background. And I thought this is going to be perfect because you're the best compliment to someone like me that enjoys being the person in the foreground. Another challenge to being the integrator is being accused of being a pessimist. Just imagine if your visionary counterpart comes in every day with brand new ideas and all of these different things to do, and then you're the one who has to not necessarily shoot them down in so many words, but be decisive and say, nope, we're going to stay the course, we're going to focus on this current project. That can look like not so much fun to the visionary. So sometimes they could look at that person and say, ah, they're just a naysayer, they're a pessimist, they don't see, but that's what their job is. That's why they're the best thing for that visionary counterpart. Now here's what creates a powerful company. It's the relationship between the two. As the authors say, they are complementary forces coming together to form a dynamic system wherein the whole is greater than the individual parts. Both are always present, although one may show up more strongly at any given time. The authors talk about the tension that exists between the two. <laughs> they say, in some ways, they are always driving each other a little bit crazy. This is normal, just not easy. Imagine if their two personalities were exactly alike. What gain would there be for the organization? It would simply have more of the same capacity. As with electricity, it's actually the degree of difference, the positive or negative polarity, that drives the opportunity for an even greater charge. And some integrators have visionary traits that could complement a visionary's weaknesses. And some visionaries have integrator traits that could complement an integrator's weaknesses. So there isn't a one-size-fits-all full visionary meets full integrator and that's the end of the story. No, it's more like puzzle pieces that you're working to find out exactly who you are and then finding your best counterpart to help grow your business. As a visionary myself, I found this part really helpful. They say the four readiness factors. One, and this is readiness to have an integrator. One is financial readiness. In other words, can you afford to bring someone in and pay them accordingly? Two, psychological readiness. In other words, are you ready to let go of some of the control? Three, lifestyle readiness. Are you ready for fewer hours or the same hours with a different focus and less frustration? As I talked about in a few episodes back, the 10x Mind Expander by Dan Sullivan, some entrepreneurs actually feel lazy and they feel like they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing when they have more time off or just less working hours of pure focus time each week. So that can be a, a huge psychological shift. And then fourth is unique ability readiness, which is are you ready to be 100% you? So that was part one, which is what they're calling the context. In other words, the visionary, the integrator, and the relationship between the two. In part two, they talk about the how-tos. They have what's called the accountability chart, the five rules, finding each other, and patience. 
I love this quote, all freedom comes from laying down boundaries. Now, in some way, that seems a little counterintuitive. In other words, if you're fencing yourself in or creating walls of boundary, how can that feel very free? But the reality is the greatest freedom lies within structure like that. This is really helpful to keep in mind is that they say the accountability chart forces you to view your organization in a different way by being intentionally proactive about your structure rather than reactively adapting a structure to fit your current people. The authors also point out when more than one person is accountable, nobody is. The all-for-one and one-for-all approach won't build a solid company. So even within those categories, say sales marketing, operations, or finance and administration, who is the one person that reports to the integrator that is responsible for that whole department or team? When thinking about the accountability chart, they reference Jim Collins, the author of Good to Great, his terminology of having the, quote, right people on the bus, the wrong people off the bus, and the right people in the right seats. Essentially, each person doing what they are meant to do, their unique ability. The authors describe common issues that the visionaries and the integrators may face as they look to move forward and grow. Number one is not letting go. And I would say that's often the problem of the visionary is that they just want to hold on or maintain that control when the reality is, even if they're kind of good at some of those other tasks, it's not what they're best at. It's not their unique ability. And so they should really just allow that responsibility to be transferred to someone else who is fully in that unique ability. Another issue is sitting in multiple seats. So this does not mean that one person can't command two functions, but what it does mean is that you have to get the reporting structure right. Another is wearing multiple hats, and I would say this is extra common in startups and new businesses because it's just you, and maybe you do have both visionary and integrator, but between the two people, that might be the whole of the company until you begin to build teams around those two parts. And then the final issue is having to sit in both the visionary and the integrator seat, which is literally if it's just you, you've got to wear all the hats, do all the stuff, play all the parts, and that's a problem. Again, as I talked about in the 10x Mind Expander, instead of looking at hiring staff or hiring a team as an expense, you'll want to shift that mindset to looking at it as a great investment to truly be able to grow and then to be in that role that you yourself love and excel at. So here's something to keep in mind if you're thinking, oh, I can manage this all myself. If you truly are one of those rare visionaries that possess both sets of visionary and integrator skills and you want to stay in both seats combined at the helm of your organization and have the time to do so, that can work. We just ask that you are completely honest with yourself as there is a 95% chance that you are not that rare person. The authors offer five rules to keep things running smoothly. Number one, stay on the same page. Number two, no end runs. Number three, the integrator is the tiebreaker. Now, let me tell you how that's going to feel to some of the visionaries who feel very strongly about they're the leader, they're the founder, they're the owner, etc. That's a powerful position for that integrator to be in as the tiebreaker. Four, you are an employee when working in the business. That goes back to Michael Gerber's e-myth mentality. 
And five, maintain mutual respect. Here are some more interesting statistics. Finding integrators in the world of small businesses is hard. According to one profiling expert, only about 22% of the world is even cut out to become a visionary. Yet the real problem pops up when he explains that only 5.5% of the world is truly cut out to be an integrator. Yikes. That leaves us with a daunting 4 to 1 ratio of visionaries to integrators. What the authors mention, and what I've also found helpful, is to use other types of profiling. There is something called DISC, there's the Colby, there's Myers-Briggs, there is the Enneagram, which is the one that I use for all of my clients and all of my team members, everybody takes that. Those things can help you identify, one, who you are, and also who is going to be the best fit to fit certain roles on your team. One of the things that I've learned in hiring people is that to me, it's much more important to hire based on attitude, personality, and perspective than on any specific task-oriented skill. Because a lot of that stuff can be trained or you can teach somebody how to do the different things, the different systems that you might have in your company or the different procedures. That stuff can all be taught. But what can't necessarily be taught is the right fit in terms of how they show up, the energy with which they bring to the company. One of the things that I subscribe to, as well as the authors mention it in this book, is they say we subscribe to the slow to hire, quick to fire philosophy, which means you should take your time hiring the right candidates. And if you do screw up, your gut will tell you if you did, quickly fire them and begin this step again. You definitely want to have the right team members in place because that impacts everything. Not just the numbers, but how you feel when you work every day and how you feel when you interact with these various types of people. That's the most important part. In the patience chapter, the authors talk about having milestones. In other words, creating the expectations and then setting up a clear path forward, say for a 90-day milestone, a one-year milestone, etc. Here's a key point, a reminder to any visionary looking for an integrator. Nobody is going to be perfect, so don't fall into the trap of thinking that perfection exists. You'll drive yourself crazy. It's almost like dating in that sense. If you are holding out for that perfect person that meets every single need and desire and thing that you want and are looking for, you might be looking for quite a long time. But the reality is there isn't a lot of growth when there isn't that friction or that, and I don't want to say struggle like it's hard, but just the, the two different types of people coming together that's what causes the most spark. That's what causes the most dynamic relationship. So what cracked me up about this book is there's actually something called a bonus chapter. And I started laughing out loud because the first sentence of the bonus chapter says, out of respect to our visionary's attention span, this book is now complete. <laughs> and then it goes on to add a few more key details. But the reality was by the time I got to that chapter, I was, I was done. I was so... I don't want to say bored because that, that sounds too negative, but I was ready to, to move on from this book. So I was challenged in giving this book a, a fair star rating because I actually wanted to like it more. <laughs> 
I, I thought that it was very valuable and I thought that it was very helpful. And I would say especially that if you are one of those people that is potentially ready to look for a counterpart visionary integrator, I would recommend getting this book because it is helpful in that regard. And yet as a visionary myself, I found myself not caring about all the details and all the the things, almost as if I wanted to have someone else manage that for me. And that's the exact thing that they're talking about the whole book. But the truth of it is that that essentially lowered my my star rating for this book. So I gave it three stars, which is okay or decent. But like I said, it, it was really, really helpful and therefore I think valuable, but I just, I didn't care while reading it. It wasn't a, an easy read for me, even though it's less than 200 pages. So that concludes my review of Rocket Fuel, the one essential combination that will get you more of what you want from your business by Gino Wickman and Mark C. Winters. On the next episode of Biz Reads, I'll review The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. See you then. Thanks ever so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to Biz Reads on iTunes and leave a review of the podcast. Visit bizreads.com to learn how to become a Biz Reads insider and receive my exclusive author interviews. I'm Mindy Kinnis, your industry reader. I'll catch you next time on Biz Reads. More wisdom, more wealth.